everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, the podcast where we talk about all of that and then some, where we have smart conversations about prenatal care, labor and delivery, the postpartum period, and then, you know, the rest of your mother love and life. We talk to experts in the field of parenthood and politics and medicine and feminism and healthcare and fitness and nutrition and a whole lot of shop talk about what all goes into creating the end product, our children, the next generation to live on planet Earth. And the thing of it is, I think we all kind of feel like we're in this big adventure called pregnancy or motherhood. You know, we think we're in it alone with our child, our family, our problems, our celebrations. But in reality, there are millions and millions of us all doing it with you all at the same time. Now, some of us are in your age group. Some of us are a whole lot older. Some are in your community or your demographic, and some are on the other side of the world living lives so very different from our own. But no matter what, we're all doing the same thing that you're doing. We're giving birth to and raising a generation of global citizens who are going to grow up with a lot of the same and a lot of very different joys and risks and challenges and opportunities than we did, and certainly different than our parents did, but who are also going to really need some of those old-time hardwired values and common sense to face the world to come, right? That's our job, to raise them. No pressure, right? And that's what we talk about here. Now, for those of you who are brand new to this podcast, we started this conversation uh, right after my second book, Common Sense Pregnancy, was released a few years back. And um, that book is where I help parents navigate prenatal care, labor and delivery from my 20 years in the trenches. I was a labor and delivery nurse for all those years. And later I transitioned to a writing career. I wrote Ask the Labor Nurse for for Fit Pregnancy for about, gosh, about seven or eight years. And then I wrote a book with one of my Fit Pregnancy, boy, I just can't say that word, Fit Pregnancy Editors, Dana Romanier. Um, That first book was called The Complete Illustrated Birthing Companion. And you could still buy it in some stores and certainly on Amazon. Um, The next book, Common Sense Pregnancy, came about because an editor at 10 Speed Press was pregnant herself and looking for, you know, just some common sense pregnancy advice that wasn't scary and fear-based and telling everybody to avoid all kinds of stuff because of risks. She found my column and she reached out. And from there, we developed my next book, Common Sense Pregnancy. Now, that book was published a few years ago. And shortly after that, we started this podcast. So that's the backstory. And if you're looking for some very practical, very realistic, and entirely experience-based information about prenatal care and birth and how the heck to approach it all, then please, by all means, go get my book. Common Sense Pregnancy is available wherever you get your books. It's also over on my website if you want an autographed copy. So, you know, now that we've talked about where we, this podcast, come from, I really want to talk this week about where we're going. Now, we've done 158 episodes so far, I think, and we've talked about all kinds of topics. They're all available to you for free, and they cover a lot of territory. But my question to you is this, what do you want to talk about next? 
Now, I've been the one starting all the conversations, but I'd like to know what you want to talk about. What do you want to know more about? What's a cool approach to a classic pregnancy or parenting challenge that you're interested in, expert at, or simply curious about? What are you worried about? Now, I, for one, would like to talk a whole lot more about the wide and many intersections that exist between pregnancy, parenthood, feminism, politics, and gender inequality. You know that's my bailiwick. That's what I like to talk about here. Um, I'd like to talk about why it is that for some women, these are really powerful and productive times of life and nothing can stop them and they can do everything they want. But for many, many others, pregnancy and parenthood, you know, it toss up, tosses up some really huge roadblocks and achieving, you know, even simple goals can be a huge challenge. I love talking about ways we can take the reins on our healthcare and our family life, our careers, and even our communities and guide them in the direction we want them to go. I'm excited about all that stuff, but what about you? I'd like to ask you to email your ideas, questions, suggestions, and comments to me at gene at genefaulkner.com and help guide this conversation from here. Now, I know my name is tricky. It's a hard one. Um, Jean, J-E-A-N-N-E, Faulkner, F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R.com. Go find me. Send me your ideas. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about where we're at for this first podcast of 2019. And I'd like to start off by setting an intention from where we go from here. My intention is to share whatever I've got in terms of my professional or personal experiences with, you know, around pregnancy and birth and parenting and, you know, being a woman in the 21st century to help other mothers and parents who are a little newer on this path to see that it's not so scary here. In fact, this is a really transformative experience that will serve you for the rest of your life. And I think you're going to mostly love it as long as you don't let people freak you out. And as long as you don't get distracted with stuff that really doesn't matter. Seriously, you're mostly going to love being a parent, almost guaranteed. Now, not all the time, mind you, but overall, you'll find this to be, if not the most, but among the most valuable things you do in your life. And for sure, it's the best classroom for learning your life lessons it's better than anything else. Let me tell you, your kids will teach it or they'll force you to learn. So let me answer your questions. Let me reassure you that it's going to be okay and that we've all been there. And let me help you connect the dots between your own personal parenthood experience and the experiences of other mothers and fathers as we all go about this universal experience of raising our kids. Now, I, for one, am super excited and optimistic about 2019 for so many reasons. Um, one, for all of you who know I'm whiny about Portland winter weather, weather's not that bad right now and it's not making me gloomy. That's a gift if you ask me. Two, yesterday was the start of the 116th Congress, y'all. I'm excited about that. If that's not a great way to start a new year, I don't know what is. Now, I'm recording this on the day after a record number of women, 128, I believe it is, were sworn in as senators and congresswomen. That is a huge first, all those women. But there's so many other firsts on Capitol Hill happening right now. First Muslims, first 
um, first Muslim congresswomen, first refugees, first women under 30, first Native American women, first bisexual women. Oh my gosh, there's so many. Let me just talk about some of them. Democratic representative, and I hope I don't say these names wrong, my apologies, Ilan Omar from Minnesota. She's the first Somali-American and first Muslim former refugee um, elected to the House of Representatives. And Representative Rashida Tlaib from Michigan is the first Palestinian-American woman to sit in the House. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York City is the youngest woman elected to Congress and the youngest to sit in the House. Sharice Davids of Kansas and um, Deb Haaland Haaland, Haaland from New Mexico. They're both Democrats. They're the first female representatives of Native American descent. Um, Davids is also a lesbian and the first openly LGBT person to represent Kansas. the first Latina women were elected to represent Texas. Now, Texas has the second largest Latino population, but it's only, um, yeah, the, these are the first Latina women elected to represent Texas. That's remarkable. Uh, Connecticut and Massachusetts elected their first Black women to Congress. Oh, so much. There were so many first folks. And what this means is that we now have a greater return to a balance of power on Capitol Hill with a Democratic majority in the House of Representatives, that's our congressmen and women, and a Republican majority in the Senate, our senators. But now we also have about 25% of our representatives as women. That's more than ever, ever, ever in history. Is it enough? Oh, hell no. Women make up more than half the U.S. and global population, and therefore we should be represented by a Congress that looks like, lives like, thinks like, feels like women, all women, all kinds of women. We're getting closer though. And take a look at any video feed about yesterday's swearing in ceremonies and you'll see what a difference there is right now. It just feels different. The House of Reps looks a bit more like America now. I mean, there were kids at the swearing in, babies, parents standing in clothing that represented who we are from many cultures and races and religions and ethnicities and genders and uh, age groups. It it made me feel the most pride that I've felt in America since 2016 at the first Women's March. So rambling on here, but that's what's making me happy and excited and optimistic. For heaven's sakes, they opened up a daycare center on Capitol Hill for parents finally that's progress, people. Parenting and childcare and children are finally relevant to people who make the laws of our land, at least a little. And with all those women up there on committees and in the halls of Congress, in the rooms where it happens, they'll be thinking and talk about it a whole lot more. It's cool, right? We're watching history in action in the making. Whew. All right, we're going to take a real quick break for one of our sponsors, and then we'll be right on back. Okay, we're back. So we don't have a guest this week, but I do want to touch on a topic that I don't know if we cover often enough. I was skulking around in the depths of the internet one day recently, and I happened upon a review of my own book on Goodreads. The reviewer thought it was a good enough book, but questioned why I was cautious about unnecessary interventions and C-sections, or as cautious as I am. I I think she just didn't see why this is a problem or didn't understand 
um, you know, why the concern about C-section rates in America, why I value natural childbirth, or why it's important to create a birth plan. So um, I thought I'd just address it a little bit because I wanted to make sure that I, um, well, I'll just, let's say, answer some of that a little bit. So why do I have a problem with America's C-section rate? Because it's too damn high. Because women shouldn't have to recover from major abdominal surgery if they don't have to. And make no mistake about it, unlike just about every other surgery performed in the U.S., this is no minimally invasive procedure. We're talking about, you know, this isn't a micro incision, which is the direction that almost all other surgeries have gone um, in modern medicine, where it's a teeny tiny incision, minimal tissue damage. That's not what happens with a C-section. We're talking about a big incision of about, you know, four inches or more, plus, you know, cutting through multiple fat and muscle layers. That puts too many women at high risk for infection, hemorrhage, and post-op complications. Now, do most women develop those things, hemorrhage, infection, and post-op complications? No, they don't. But too many do, especially women in certain um, high-risk groups. It also sets women up for higher risks for placental problems and birth complications in subsequent pregnancies that they wouldn't have if they'd had a vaginal birth. So my thing about C-sections is not that I am anti-C-section. I am not. If you need one, excellent. You need one and thank God we can get you one. If you don't, and from my experience as a labor and delivery nurse, a lot of them fall in that category, then you're far better off having a vaginal birth. Now, the reviewer um, wondered why I value a natural birth over a medicated or epiduralized birth, or maybe she just wondered why people in the birth community do. Um, Personally, I don't. They're both really good options for many women, and I've had both uh, non-medicated and medicated births personally. I've attended thousands of births, thousands in hospitals in um, here in the U.S. And most of the births I've attended have used some level of pain management. And epidurals are by far the most popular technique. Um, You know, from a personal standpoint, I used the tools that I needed at the time to get through my births. And I think that that's probably what most women do. Um, And for me, they all worked out the way they were supposed to. But women in America don't have all of the support and resources to have, you know, a completely normal vaginal birth, including all the pain options that women in other countries have. Um, And I, I wish we did. Okay, what about that birth plan? I think that there is great value in developing birth plans because I believe in the power of setting intentions, and I believe that women should be documenting their own experiences. Lord knows everybody else in your delivery room is documenting it. Why not you? I think it matters what you put in print and what you want for your own personal experiences, which includes your birth. Now, we're not talking about a birth plan that's you know, supposed to be an ironclad contract. And I hope parents will be practical when they make those plans. But I think that women should clearly define and state what they want. That way, they're more likely to get it. If they, you know, 
just leave it open to chance and do whatever happens and they don't ask questions or or interject their own opinions or preferences. You know, if they just kind of go with the medical flow that happens to a lot of women, too often in our healthcare system, that medical flow will lead them to the operating room and that's not always in their best interest. So that's why. Um, so that's where we're going to leave it this week. It's short and sweet, but I want to get your thoughts and ideas um, before we keep moving forward into 2019. I want to know what we should talk about from here. So please email me, gene at genefaulkner.com. Tweet me at Gene Faulkner. Go find Common Sense Pregnancy on Instagram and Facebook. Let me know what you think and let's keep this conversation going long into 2019 and beyond. I think it's going to be a really exciting year for women, for mothers, for our families. I'm feeling good about it, guys. Thank y'all. We'll talk again next week. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Common Sense Pregnancy, the book, is available on my website, genefaulkner.com, on Amazon, at Target, and wherever you buy your books in your neighborhood. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.